0: Hello again. As you may or may not know, I am Eli the Computer Guy and INE has invited me down to their Durham, North Carolina office so I can interview real network professionals and talk about their careers and how they got to where they are now. I'm here with Deedon Langston today. He is a senior network engineer at Duke University. Happy to talk to you. Same to you so uh so a senior network engineer at duke university like what what does that actually mean what do you do on day to day
1: oh uh, as far as a uh, day-to-day a lot but i said a senior as a title is unimportant what's important is what they pay you that's what makes you senior okay. um, so some people get you know wrapped around get wrapped up in the that sort of title but yeah. you know we don't have anybody junior Oh, you don't have have anybody, (laughs) Jr. Day to day uh, can range. My delta from a day to day could be somebody can't get an Xbox on the wireless to inter domain multicast routing. That's literally been my delta one day over one day. I was doing one thing in the morning and I was doing the other thing by lunch. So it runs the entire gambit of route switch in the course of a day.
0: So, how many people are on your, your network team then?
1: Uh, I think we just went to five. We've been as small as three.
0: Oh, really? Yes. How how big is your net? So, so you're with, is is are you on the main networking team for all of Duke University or one uh, campus? Well, or? there's only
1: uh, one. Oh, the Office of Information Technology Network Services does yeah. all the route switch, data center switching, IP address management, firewalls for the entire campus. Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: And you only had three until we recently. only had
1: three at one point. It was an interesting on-call rotation.
0: <laughs> was that was that purposeful or is that just how it how? I, it worked
1: somebody out? left, and then I got the job, and then you know HR Rex take time to churn out, and then mm. you, know, you got to interview people, and then people say a lot of things on their resume <laughs> that don't hold up in reality. Right. So by the time you find somebody who can actually do the job, it's been two months, three months. You've been running kind of lean. Oh, really, well, yeah. You
0: know? wow. So how do you determine if somebody comes in to, to interview for a networking position, how do you determine if they actually know what they're talking about?
1: Well, on the phone screen, if they, I feel like if you put it on your resume, it's fair game. Fair you know, if you put been. BGP on your resume, that doesn't mean that you connect to your provider with BGP and you've never logged into that router, but you know what it is. Yeah. It means that if you went in there and logged in, you would know what the syntax meant, how to make the changes that you were going to make. And I just feel like if you write it down it's fair game. So yeah. I will, question you about what you write down in detail. Huh. And then when you come in for the on-site, it's a little bit more informal as far as the, uh, the questions go, but yeah. Duke is the only place I've ever been where they actually gave me a lab, too. Really? It was fair, it was yeah. fair lab. It was indicative of kind of stuff we do every day. Yeah. It was like, hey, sit down here, make this work.
0: Huh. Okay. So what, what, what skills, or like what, what are you looking for out of, out of somebody that gets hired for, for your team?
1: Um, the number one skill that we look for is, uh, I think, do you know what's on your resume? Can you talk about a chapter and verse? Number one, okay. do we like you? I mean, a lot of people put a lot of weight <laughs> yeah. on where you've been to school and what's on your resume, but if you come in and people like, man, this guy really rubs me the wrong way, yeah. then nobody's going to want to work with you. Huh? It doesn't matter what you've done and where you've been. Yeah. And third, we look for somebody who's just... Willing to you kind of get a sense for people just kind of talking to them like is this just something they do for the check? Or is this something they really enjoy because there's so much work to go around yeah. that you can't be like oh, oh, four o'clock Close the lid. I'm out, <laughs> you know So that's kind of what we look for after once we've gone through the okay Did they just write this down or do they actually know it?
0: So when you when you have these applicants, I mean, where are these applicants coming from? Do you use like Monster.com, or these people that you've met as a word of mouth? Or? I
1: think some of the best applicants we have have mm. been referrals, because okay. you yeah. know people that you work with that you would want to work with again. Yeah. yeah. So if we can get a referral, that's the number one thing. If you can get a guy who knows somebody's work ethic and their ability already, great. Other than that, they kind of we just lucked up a few times and just had decent things ro- roll out of HR. Huh. But we've had a lot of not good stuff too.
0: <laughs> so then, so I mean, there's a lot of complaints that um, you know colleges and all that don't have a lot of money. So especially being around this this research triangle with lots of big companies. Are you guys competitive with the local companies? As far as salaries? Yeah, salary benefits. I cannot complain. You cannot complain. (laughs) I
1: worked at another major (laughs) vendor who uh, starts with a C, rhymes with disco, and (laughs) shall remain nameless, and they didn't pay as well for where I am now. So I can't speak about state schools because Mm. they are held by state standards for whatever the grade of the job is but I cannot complain about what I'm getting paid. I don't even think I deserve what I'm making right now, to be honest. Really? Yeah.
0: Because that's why you hear so much a lot, there's this, this, there's this complaint that if you work for educational institutions, you're, you're doing good for the world, but then you'll suffer with a yeah, poor I guess patient. you
1: just got to pick the right one. Yeah.
0: So being at Duke University, do you see a career path there? Because it says you've been there for like four years now. So is this some place that you could spend the next 20? We
1: have a guy on the team who's been there for 23 24 yeah. he started out there at 18 working on the phones yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that and went from phones to datacom and he's just been there ever since uh, i find that universities are one of those places where you can you can have somebody and just stay there for you know a decade because yeah. the technology doesn't stagnate yeah. especially the research university as soon as you get I'm sure as soon as they went from 10 meg, they wanted 100 meg. As soon as yeah. they got to 100 meg, it was gig. Now it's like 10 gig. We're pushing the limits of what our 10 gig links will give us during yeah. some peak level times, like yeah. now, March Madness. Yeah. So we're like, how? Are we, what's after 10 gig? Are we going to go 40 gig? Or are we going to try to go straight to 100 gig hmm. core, if we can? And of course, if the, you know all the budgets and all that sort of stuff work out. Yeah. So there's, it doesn't stagnate at all. I mean, yeah. there's always, Some new thing coming up that you got to figure out how to do.
0: Yeah, because I think that would be a a surprise to me because, yeah, if if it pays well, and I'd also think you would stagnate, but you say the new technology is. There's always
1: something coming along. Mm. uh, Like this morning, I was working on crypto. Tomorrow, um, I think I'm doing something around ACI since we're talking about putting that in our data center. And then sometime, Later this month, I'll probably be in China dealing with our campus over there, so. Really? Yeah, just, there's always something.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So when you first started off, so if you look at your resume, so you actually started off as a pilot in the Navy. Yes, I did. And you spent uh, almost 10 years doing that. So how do you go, I mean like literally, operated naval aircraft in high risk, rapidly changing environments. (laughs) How do you go from that to Duke University engineer? Like, well, it's, it's, not,
1: it's not linear, <laughs> that's for certain. I didn't get out of the Navy and then get a call from Duke. Uh, so I guess, um, you know, it was 9-11. Yeah. 9-11 happened, the airlines started laying people off, stuff like that, price of gas went up, so they just weren't hiring as many pilots. Hmm. So I knew I couldn't count on it. Yeah. I knew I didn't really wanna do the things that I need to do to stay in the military, so like, I have to pick something yeah. else. and. Like I was a computer science major, and military, anytime somebody finds out you can do something, that's what you end up doing. Yeah. Like it was on detachment, I'd end up dealing with computers. Yeah, I'm at the squadron, skipper's got a question, I'm answering it. Yeah. The website needs to be updated, I did it, stuff like that. So it kind of stayed keeping my hands in it, though I wouldn't have called myself a professional. Hmm. And uh, about 2005 or so, yeah. uh, my girlfriend, now wife, mentioned to me, like, hey, you, why don't you look into trying to get your CCIE. And I was like, I had no idea what that entailed. Man. But once I started looking at the subject matter and it became interesting, I just kind of started pursuing that as my uh, post-Navy career. Hmm. And uh, once you get out though, you end up in that uh, the IT security, not security, but the IT uh, experience, circular reasoning. It's like, yeah. You don't have any experience, so you can't get a job, and you need the job to get the experience. And a lot of times people don't want to take a risk on somebody who hasn't done exactly what they want you to do. Um, So the way I got around that was I bought my way in. I guess there's two ways in. You can get in (laughs) kind of through a kind of internship sort of thing, where if you just roll out of college, you start doing some subset for people, and you learn that. so I took a job that I knew was kind of narrow with mm. no real mobility yeah. that paid me less than I felt like I needed in order to get the experience so that I could get the next job. Oh, okay. So I mean, you got to pay some dues in this field. It's, it's not necessarily about what you know how to do. It's yeah. what people think you know how to do to yeah. a certain extent.
0: So then it says you got your BS in computer engineering. Then. So why would you go... Because I mean, you know, it's all—it's all about creating the next Facebook or dog dating app. So why, why did you not go into programming? Why would you go into networking?
1: That's a good question. Because I was actually better, a better programmer in college than I was <laughs> an electrical engineer. Like yeah. I'm terrible at math comparatively. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but. I started tailoring the tail into my undergraduate as telecom anyway. This is when cellular was starting to get big. So oh, yeah. my classes were about IS-95 and CDMA and GSM and all that sort of stuff. When I look back at it, I'm like, what fascinated me about that stuff was the ability for this thing and this thing separated by God knows how far yeah. to talk to each other and work as if they're sitting right there in the same room. Right. And that's still what fascinates me about route switch, how I can take hmm. two things. Separated by 10,000 miles and trick them into thinking that they're connected by a wire, Man. and then that enables all this stuff on top of it, to, you know the telephones, the video conferencing, uh, multicast IPTV, all that on a base of route switching. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing this instead of writing code. Huh.
0: Okay. If you had to do it over again, would do you do? Would you write code and Nope. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope. uh, I would maybe spend a little more time in my, uh, you know, I'm largely self-trained. I probably would have yeah. picked up a different scripting language than I did just to kind of automate more tasks. But yeah. I don't think that I would be, a, I would have been out of this field, I think, if I had to, if I was a full-time software developer. It just doesn't, you know, there's so much work and this stuff is so hard yeah. that if you don't enjoy it, yeah. then you're either gonna be bad at it or you're gonna quit and I'd rather quit than be bad at something.
0: <laughs> fair enough. So then, so in 2005, you said you were talking, you said you self-studied then for your CCNA. And all yes, that. I did. So how did, how did you do that? Like what material did you use? Um, there was a fair amount of
1: I&E stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I looked around at vendors, I'm like, who's got the most succinct stuff, you know, because there's a lot of old info out there. It's like, this mm-hmm. is what's on the test. This is what people are doing. I was like, I found that the I&E stuff was Relevant at the time, Mm -hmm. so I use a lot of their workbooks and then a lot of the stuff was just was me buying the hardware Mm -hmm. and then going through the um, like the official study guides and something and trying my as best I could to replicate the topology Mm -hmm. That I saw in there and then make mistakes be up to the crack of dawn find my mistake, you know uh, I kind of find that invaluable actually dealing with the actual hardware because Now, I I was able later in my career to catch errors that I knew were hardware errors because I'd had to take the cover off myself and like, oh, that's a bad stick of RAM. I know exactly what that is, so Hmm. that helped. didn't help my wallet, but (laughs) it uh, it helped my progression.
0: So I guess there's a lot of options now. So I mean, back in the day, I mean, basically your option was buy a little lab. But so now you can buy a lab or you can use a simulator emulator or you can use like INEs, you can rent their labs. If you were doing this now, would you still buy it? Do you think, still think it's a good it, idea to it buy It is a equipment?
1: terrible idea to buy a lab these days. Oh, <laughs> it's <a> t- granted, <laughs> you could probably buy it for a lot cheaper now yeah. than you could then. Yeah. But uh, at this point, I don't think you can replicate the current CCIE topology in real equipment. It's so, huh. the test has gone from what it was to something different now. So yeah. you have to vir- you would have to virtualize it in order just to get mm. the full Flavor of, unless you want to work some subset of the technologies at a time. Uh, so, no, I would not spend the money <laughs> on actual hardware and cooling and no. <laughs> remote access and all that sort of stuff and noise and mm-hmm. all that. I wouldn't do that, but I would definitely, uh, you know, whatever virtualization means that you're going to do, whether it's viral, Cisco modeling labs, uh, GNS3, that sort of stuff, is yeah. it's great because you can do it right now. Yeah. now yeah preparing for the CCIE lab, I would rent rack time. But you as far would, as just would, self yeah. t- teaching yeah. myself, the yeah. technology and stuff like that, yeah. I would virtualize that before the lab, I would rent time just to be sure that everything works. It yeah. works the way it's supposed to, and I'm not engaged in negative training. Hmm.
0: Right. So, so you don't have your CCIE, yet, right?
1: No, yeah. I've passed half of it twice. Half of it yeah, twice? Yeah, different half, both times.
0: <laughs> oh. well, how does that work? Well, there's, that, a, there's, a, there's the uh, uh, there was,
1: at the time I took it, there was a troubleshooting and then there was the configuration part. Huh, okay. So I took the troubleshooting part yeah. and I uh, missed that one just by skidding my teeth. I think you mm. need like eight yeah. of them. And I, I knew that I had seven when the time <laughs> ran out and it cut me off. Wow! And okay. then the configuration session I passed. Hmm. And then the next time coming back, it flip-flopped. I passed the uh, conf- the troubleshooting section. The configuration section, I completely blew QoS. <laughs> I had it right and then left out some part of it. Damn. And between that and I messed up a section on like HSRP. Something stupid, yeah. really dumb. I just didn't put preempt on there. So that's zero points and zero points. Yeah. And those two zero points combined to get me less than an 80. And mm-hmm that cost me a number and I have not made another attempt since.
0: Yeah. Do you plan to or are you just ask?
1: Well I'm working on a masters through DePaul, the distance education program in network engineering and security and there's a, mm-hmm. it's only so many hours in a day mm-hmm. so when I should be done with that November yeah. time frame and when that's done I'll probably pick it up again.
0: So I've had a couple of interviews today and we talk about the certifications versus degrees and the other folks have been really focused on the certifications, seems like they would argue for the CCIE. So what got you into going for the, the focusing on the master's degree instead?
1: Uh, GI, Bill. G.I. Bill. I okay. had a benefit that I could not, in good conscience, just throw away. Okay. And because of the nature of the time that I got out, it didn't fall under certain characteristics of the post 9-11 where mm. I could transfer it to a dependent. Hmm. So I'm like, I have a benefit that will pay for me to get another degree, yeah. and I'm not gonna do it because what, cause I wanna come home and you know not do any work. I'm like, yeah. no, I'll do the work. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just picked a field. Yeah, I could have got an MBA, but I picked to kind of solidify, kind of formally solidify the things that I knew through a degree field. Now, as far as what do I feel more is, is more important, right. the certification. I don't think right. that this masters is gonna buy me any additional salary points or anything right. like that. Oh. It might maybe get me an extra look if I apply for an architect job, maybe, yeah. but I don't even expect that. I expect people to look at what I've done and you know, what I've proven I can do through certification above my, uh, my actual academic degrees. Uh-huh.
0: So you went for an online program, which is interesting, because aren't we like tripping over colleges around here? Like... We
1: are, but there are not a lot of colleges nationally that offer a master's program in network engineering. There's mm-hmm. a lot that offer in computer science yeah, yeah. and computer engineering, but those focus on the more traditional computer science and computer engineering um, aspects, so to speak. It's all you know software development and stuff like that, and that's mm-hmm. not really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I googled up maybe four or five nationally that I just cursorily found. NC State was one of them, mm-hmm. but uh, DePaul's entrance requirements were more realistic to me. Mm-hmm. They uh, basically was like you tell us what you've been doing and, you know, give us references and talk about your work and we'll tell you if you're getting in. Like, we don't care what your GRE score is or what your undergraduate GPA was because it doesn't matter, you're almost 40. You know, that was 1998. Totally doesn't matter what you had as an undergraduate GPA. And they look at that stuff and talk to your references and like, yeah, this guy's solid. Like, okay, then they take your money and you do the work Hopefully, after a couple of years, they'll hand you a piece of paper.
0: <laughs> there you go. So, do you think, like getting a master's degree, would you ever want to try to teach in one of the universities? You know, doing instruction?
1: Uh, I had ruminated about possibly teaching at a, at a um, Durham Tech if they had an open position, hmm. because they seem to be uh, they seem to have the classes that fit kind of what we're what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Uh, very practical, you know, oriented towards specific vendor, not general. That sort of stuff. Uh, maybe out there, but then it comes down to, to just time. Because yeah. then I still have my real job and everything that means, on-call schedules, and, yeah. and early a.m., late p.m. changes, all that kind of stuff, so we'll see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so then your the first kind of job, was that was that the that intron? That word? was intron, yes. Yeah. And so how did you actually get that job then? Like,
1: I went to the interview down in Mobile and impressed them with my ability to talk about the subject matter. Oh, okay. And, you know, a lot of people rely on their resume and their experience going yeah. into an interview to carry them. Yeah. But then they can't talk about the topics in detail. Okay. So I went in there in an interview and talked about timers and why addresses were a certain way and why this worked and why that worked in the nth detail. So, like, this guy knows... This material, yeah. even if he hasn't done it with this piece of hardware, and thankfully they gave me an opportunity to prove it, because hmm, okay. they could have just said, "Yeah, he can talk it, but he hasn't done it, so yeah. let's talk to the next guy." Yeah,
0: okay. So and then we're talking. So when when you were in the Navy, you were on the West Coast, right? Yes. So then, what brought you back? Like, why why this area in particular?
1: Uh, I went to NC State, okay, and so spent a lot of time around here. I've got a couple of family members here. I've got a Bunch of family members in Greensboro area. Uh, my parents are still on the, uh, in the same place that I grew up down in Newport, North Carolina. My wife's family is down there. Yeah. So it was kind of a no-brainer where I was going. Yeah, okay. And right now it would take me way more money than I deserve to dislodge me out of North Carolina. <laughs> really? As soon as I got out, I came back. Really? Yes.
0: Okay. So you spent like two and a half years at Intron doing whatever that work is. But then you got hired. So as a network consulting engineer at Cisco. Yes. So how do you oh, how do you get hired at Cisco? Like is that is that as impressive as it sounds? I don't or is know it if like... it's <laughs>
1: as impressive as it sounds, but the interview is just as hard as you would think that it was. Yeah. Okay. And again, here's a guy who's been working at a vendor most people don't know. Intron served uh, industrial customers. They built switches and wireless access points for. Terrible environments, high noise environments, stuff like that, automotive, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Learned a lot about layer two there, hmm. um, but I spent my downtime staying in the book because I wasn't doing very much routing, even though I was doing a lot of switching, a lot of wireless. Yeah. So it was just, a, I was in a constant state of study. Hmm. So when I went, when I s- filled out the, uh, you know, the, the, on the website, the, yeah. you know, for, applied to a, uh, professional network consulting engineer program that they happen to have and didn't hear anything back for, you know, better part of a year. And then they just sent me an email that I almost deleted because I thought it was just, (laughs) just, here's another rejection email from somebody. I literally like, Went in the spam and opened it and read it. I was like, I was just feeling masochistic that day, <laughs> yeah. and like, oh, there's an interview. And I went mm-hmm. to the interview and I impre- I had to imp- I impressed the guys that were there with my ability to talk about the subject matter. Mm. Between that and the stuff that I the labs that I had done, either through vendor provided labs or stuff that I'm just curious, like how does this work? You know, yeah. I see this in this book. Let me go see if I can lab that up, yeah. and make the mistakes and look at the documentation and fix it. And then I went to the interview and I was able to talk about that stuff and that convinced them that I was a good fit.
0: So like with Cisco, how horrible are the interviews? You hear of some of these tech companies where it's like eight interviews with 50 different people and jumping and through It
1: wasn't like them. that. It was a, uh, I had three guys at my technical interview. Yeah. Every one of them had CCIEs though. Oh, so man. you cannot BS your way through one of those interviews. <laughs> you have to know know the material. Yeah. Uh, any, Pre-other interviews that I've had with them since I left Duke where I uh, left uh, Cisco where I was contemplating possibly going back. None of them were, I feel, were as in-depth as that one. <laughs> but they still, again, you, have, you just have to know the material. It's not enough to just be able to type the words and make it work. You need mm-hmm. to understand how the protocols interact so you can reason through this stuff when you're troubleshooting. Because mm-hmm. if you're an NCE or something like that, even though you're not tech, your Cisco, and if they, somebody sees you walking down the hall, yeah. they'll grab you and ask <laughs> you a question and try to give them the best answer you can because they're yeah. paying for your service. Um, yeah. So, But other than that, I had a couple interviews with managers and mm-hmm. that was it. <laughs> I mean, at Duke, we do a phone screen and yeah. if you get through the phone screen, then we bring you on site You get and you meet with the network team, the voice guys, manager and if uh,
0: you get through the lab and we like you, there you go. So then what, So okay, so you're a network consulting engineer for Cisco, so what, what do you actually, what did, What does that do? What did you do when you
1: were at that Cisco? That is then? the optimize and PDIOO. That's what it's supposed to be. Okay. It's a, you're supposed to help the customer who's focused and I really appreciate what that means now, now yeah. that I'm the guy who's focused on stuff. Yeah. When you run a network and you work there, your job is keeping the network running. So especially if you're running a little lean on manpower, it's like we wanna go from A to B, yeah. and we have to figure out how to do it and not break anything in the process. Like which one of us here who's already pressed all the way you know, to the maximum, who's got the time to do that? And you, know, you make time sometimes, but if you've got an NCE, yeah. that person, can, you can ask them, hey, we wanna do this. That person can go out and figure out how to do it. They can give you recommendations on things that are best practice, and because you're only focused on maybe a couple of customers, you actually know their network. It's not like just being a regular consultant. You walk in the door, you have no idea how any of that's hooked up, what their caveats are, anything like that, and you give them what they paid for in a transaction or whatever, and you walk out. But if you're an NCE dedicated to a customer, you know the people, you know what they got going on, their protocols, and you can assist in them making things better.
0: So this is like, so they would pay like a maintenance contract and you were part of that then? The
1: I moment? assume. I tried to stay as far out of how much all that stuff costs and who was getting charged for what is possible. Yeah, okay.
0: So then, um, do you, did you ever run any issues with that where they wanted more out of you than you could give or wanted more than you were supposed to give?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, people, it, like, if you go on a transactional, they pay for a certain amount of hours, et cetera, yeah. and you try to write them down when you when you do your report like to the best of your ability. But people always want more for what they, they pay. And yeah. if you're the type of person that enjoys this stuff, you want to give them the best product that they can get. So you might be putting in more, way more hours than what actually gets written down, yeah. either because you lose track because you're like, I'm so close, I just figure this out. Or yeah. you're like, I just don't know. You know, I spent so long on this, I'm guessing on how long I spent on this.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't sound like, were you happy working it? Like, was Cisco a good, a good job to have? Cisco's a great job to have. You yes. will meet some of the smartest people that you will
1: ever run into anywhere. Yeah. Just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the problem with it was I lived in Maryland. Now, Maryland I did not like. Sorry if anybody lives in Maryland, <laughs> okay? I apologize. <laughs> But between the traffic, the rent, yeah. the fact that I think summer ends in I don't know August, yeah. <laughs> like the snow starts in <laughs> September, yeah. Yeah, between all of that, it was just too much for us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, so you, so you went from here yes. up to Maryland? Yeah, I was and working
1: then... in Maryland. Oh, I'm like, okay. No,
0: but they had but they have the Cisco, don't they? Have some big. They Cisco They did, but uh, here? my
1: customer was kind of spooky, so yeah. you know, I had to
0: <laughs> move up to Maryland. Yeah. Oh, okay. Etc. cetera. So did that, um, did you have clearances and all that when you got out of the military? I had
1: a clearance that was running out right around the time that I got out. So I had to go through the clearance process again. In wow. order, uh, not fun, not, not a fun thing. I, no. <laughs> I, I don't think that I would ever do cleared work again because really? of how much of a hassle it is to actually do work sometimes. Really? Like if you, something's wrong with some complicated things this is um CRS problem yeah. you can't necessarily get a subject matter expert into the building even to yeah. help you with the problem and you've got to sanitize what information goes this way yeah. and in order to give it back to them and fix what the problem it's just it's just too hard to do work right. for me I mean, compared to Duke where we decide we're going to do something we stand around cubes like Anybody got a problem with this? We kind of try to pick it apart. If it's going to work, then we put in our change request, and then we do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so much easier to do work in that environment.
0: Well, I mean, coming from the military and with the security clearance and all that, did you think about going into the government, doing governmental work?
1: I uh, took the FBI test, Okay, and yeah, yeah. that is the most bizarre test you will ever <laughs> take in your life. Okay. Uh, they just there's no math on it or anything. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like uh, some of the questions are like. Read this scenario and pick the best outcome. It's like best for who? Best for me? Best for you know the guy's boss in this? Best for the organization? I don't know. Just I don't know. I think it was actually a Turing test. Really, I think it's like is this person a robot? and Will they arrest anybody? I think that's what the test actually was. Yeah,
0: okay. But you, but you didn't look for like any like military or. Um, there, no.
1: Not really, and I don't know if that's just because. It just didn't happen. I don't think yeah. it was any, anything conscious or anything like that.
0: Yeah. So then how did you get from from Cisco then to, to Duke? Did they poach you? They you didn't
1: looking? poach me. Yeah. I, Me and my wife made the decision that we had been in Maryland long enough yeah. and uh, I tried to move within the company and I don't think this is a, is a secret, but the wheels of HR at Cisco turned really slowly <laughs> uh, and, and I was coming up on lease renewal time and all that sort of stuff. I'm like. Uh, yeah. I we need to make a decision. Huh. And I applied to Duke. They called me and asked me down for an interview. I went down, and interviewed. I drove back on the way back. I had an offer. Right. I'm like, right. wow. Okay. I'm out. You know, it's <laughs> like if I'd have stayed at Cisco if things could have happened faster. You yeah. know, if I could have moved down to RTP and been back in North Carolina and if things had moved quick, I probably would have stayed there, but they just they just didn't.
0: Was that, do you think uh, you, were a good, you were such a good candidate, or is it hard to find people with your skills? Like? I think
1: uh, the combination of things that I now have on my resume yeah. are kind of hard to find. When really? I mean, you get a lot of people who have worked in enterprise, but you don't see a lot of people who worked with some of these service provider technologies that, yeah. I, that I dealt with, and because that's what we have deployed to do. We've got a MPLS VPNs in the core. Yeah. It's hard to find people that know that, Hmm. Um, to interview them and then to get them on board. And I think by the time they got to me, they were actually so frustrated with being able to find anybody. They were just like, if he can, if he gets through the first part of the lab, if he gets yeah. through the switching part <laughs> of the lab, we'll take him, yeah. you know, but unfortunately, I got through the whole thing and it just worked out to be a good fit.
0: Oh. So being there, like with a, do you ever worry about the economy at all? Like they say with education, like, the economy can hit it hard. Do you think you're pretty solid?
1: Uh, I hadn't really thought about it till now, thanks. Um, uh, I think there are probably so few of us in network services and what we do is so essential to the mission yeah. of what the university does that you can't cut back but so far. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I did have a little bit of you know, existential panic when people started saying that SDN was going to change the entire world it was going to cure yeah. cancer and it was going to obsolesce every network engineer. Yeah. I don't know if that's still the, the, the hype on it. People still believe all all of that. I'm sure it's going to so, it solves certain problems for people with those problems. Man. But as far as it eliminating the network engineer in its entirety and everybody turning a programmer, I've been around long enough now to see cycles come and go and hype, kind of crest and die down and then hit that middle Man. thing where this is what we actually use this for. So I wasn't as much worried about the economy and getting the axe as I was worried about like, is my skill set still relevant? Man. And uh, you know, you, you keep learning and stuff, and hey, I've had to keep trying to improve my uh, my Python ability and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, not really worried about losing the job.
0: So how much? Is, I mean, because that's the thing with with the whole concept of SDN and software defined networking. It's it's supposed to be, if it ever happens really, like a paradigm shift. So like, so in the 10 years that you've been doing this, 11 years, I mean, are you basically doing the same kind of thing that you would've been doing 10 years ago? Have there been any real paradigm shifts in the networking stuff, or is it all basically bigger, faster, more expensive, but same?
1: Other than SDN, and of course, like as I was coming in, this virtualization was getting even bigger. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't, I not want to say it's just bigger and faster. There just seems to be more layers of abstraction on top of bigger and faster. It's like yeah. it's either how can we make these 10 things look like one thing yeah. or take this one thing and make it look like 10 things. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be, there seems to have been a lot of protocols and things that came out in, over like the last few years that enable you to do that. Yeah. Like VXLAN and uh, OTV and um, I know I'm missing a few of yeah. them, but those things that are like, well, we just kind of fuzzy up the underlying stuff so it all looks like something else. See more of that. And yes, a lot bigger and faster. Like 6500s yeah. now, like when I came in this, it was soup 2T is the, the new thing. And now it's, we skip right past the 6800 to the 7700. Yeah. Because of port density and backplane switching capacity and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, plenty of bigger and faster for sure.
0: So what's like what's the time frame on a refresh cycle for networking equipment then for you
1: guys? Uh, for us, it's about five years, five years, give or take. You know, is that a
0: complete refresh? Do you still have ten, things ten years uh, old? There's still
1: like our um, um, method has typically been moving it out of like uh, the academic buildings and stuff like that, yeah. and moving it into ResNet. Hmm. So the student yeah. stuff. So the students will be running on. 100-meg, like eight-year-old 3750s, or something like that, and yeah. those got replaced in other buildings by 3850s that we bought this year. So hmm. that's where we shuffle most of that stuff off in the ResNet that gets old. Oh,
0: okay. So with uh, the worries about hacking and security and all that kind of stuff, is there anything special, especially being in an academic environment, where you have to worry about every college kid bit torrenting things and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything special that you do in the environment to try to secure
1: it? Security guys have plenty of tricks, and they run the IPS, so I can't say exactly what they're doing over there. Um, But we've had a number of discussions about DDoS protection and all that sort of stuff because we've been hit more than once by DDoS attacks. You You can't either making one group mad or another group mad, and you know, (laughs) here it comes. Uh, We've looked at some stuff to help mitigate that sort of thing, Uh, and uh, kind of our security guys is gonna deal with the scanning of devices, looking for compromised hosts and that sort of stuff. They're very um, proficient at it, because he says it's a university, so it's not really so much every college student trying something, but it's, always something you know it's yeah. the mission of it is to provide information and to be somewhat open like how do you balance that between not being so open that you're if you're not the target then you're a attack vector against another target yeah
0: so do you know do you guys have like do you have like anti hacking policies if some college kid was trying to hack the system well, there's there a policy?
1: there are definitely there's an acceptable use policy that yeah. we have out there. There's written in stone. Everybody, you got to have one so you can enforce it. Yeah. You know, um, fortunately, we just have not had a lot of internal attempts at stuff. Yeah. Most okay. of our stuff has been something was compromised from the outside, and yeah. we've got to remediate it, or it's an active thing from the outside. Okay. Yeah. Now that will probably be a tomorrow. So.
0: <laughs> so then, so I mean looking at the, the networking world and all that now, if you had a kid that was going out to do this kind of thing, like what, what would you push them towards, like what, what's the cool, what's the, not necessarily the, the sexy technology, but what do you think is the technology that can get you paid with for the next five years or so?
1: I am probably the wrong person to ask. Because <laughs> right. there, there are things, I've reached that point in my career where the money that people pay me keeps me, there's nothing that I want that it won't buy. Yeah. So I'm not really as focused on what's the next thing that will get you hired, get you paid. I'm focused on what do I want to do next. Nah, okay. you know, but um, what I've seen even with interns is people want to jump straight to some subset. It's like, yeah. if I want to do security, it's like, how are you going to secure something if you don't even understand how it's connected and what repercussions your actions are gonna have. Yeah. It's easy to say go disconnect that or block these ports, but if you don't know because you have no route switch background that hey those ports are SIP, mm-hmm. and that's a voice gateway, so no, I, I can't <laughs> block it. Yeah. You know, um, I see a fair amount of that. If I was going to pick a technology to learn in addition to this, it'd probably uh, be um, virtualization and storage, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. having a solid understanding of that and RAID volumes and all that sort of stuff, yeah. can, when they start complaining about the application, it's not necessarily network, it's like, well, maybe it's something a bit lower level than that. Maybe that's stored on RAID volumes and that's the wrong RAID volume for that type of data. Yeah. So if you know enough about that to look at that as a possible problem, then you just avoid these red herrings over here and uh, I think that also would work quite nicely for like hyperconverged technologies. I don't know a lot about it, okay. but in my reading about it, I was like, that sounds like something that I might want to do. Hmm. So if if I could put, if I could get the cycles in my own day, yeah. that's where I would invest my time is in um, UCS, VMware, and storage. Hmm.
0: Okay. And um, and then so since I mean you were the doing the uh, being a pilot in the military. As I always say, like in the mid 90s, if kids didn't know what the hell they were supposed to do in life, everybody was to go in, the, go in the military and figure it out. Would you advise going to the military if somebody didn't know what they wanted to do or exactly how to get there?
1: I do not regret the time that I put in the Navy, yeah. but if I had a time machine,
0: yeah.
1: I'd know exactly where I was the day that I signed up, I'd know what I was wearing, and I know the route that I walked <laughs> to get there. Yeah. I would throw myself in a trunk. <laughs> And, really, like, yeah. you are not doing that. I mean, right. I would not do it again, but I don't regret having done it. Um, if you don't really have any direction, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you're not a complete dirtbag, yeah. then I suggest it. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, but I think people now need to realize that this isn't the 90s. Yeah. If you join, you're going to war. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a possibility. It is a, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't, In good conscience, discourage anybody because I did it. I just wouldn't do it again.
0: (laughs) Really? So, even I've never heard that from a pilot before. I thought all pilots were really good. The
1: people, I've met some of the best people. I mean, I miss those people and I miss the the act of flying, but I do not miss everything that was not those things the people or the flying. I don't miss any (laughs) of that at all. I don't miss the not having the freedom to make a decision that this is no longer for me yeah. and just being able to do something else. I I mean, but as far as the career field, I can't, I can't knock it because I did it. Uh-huh.
0: You know? And I guess the final thing so, so do you have your CCNP then? I do have an MP. You, so, you have it. So, you went to CCNA, then you got your MP, now you're going for the CCIE. So, I'm not sure if we asked it. So, you have your computer engineering degree. If, if it was a young kid, would you suggest they go for the certification or a degree?
1: Um, if this is really what you want to do, yeah. and actually my son asked me the same question. Right. He's like, do I need to go to college to learn JavaScript? We're like, no. Yeah. Here's a book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the 21st century. I mean, you do not necessarily have to go to college yeah. to learn this field. It's a, it's a really experience-driven field anyway, yeah. so if this is what you want to do, I suggest learn the material, try to find a junior job. If you don't want to go to college, don't yeah. go, don't get the debt, yeah. find a junior job, learn the field and move with it. And if you decide later that you want to go to college, you know, again, it's the 21st century. You don't yeah. have to go to a brick and mortar, sit down in the classroom college. Yeah. If you've taught yourself already, it's not going to be that hard, you know, to engage in online learning. And that's yeah. how I'm doing my degree at DePaul. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's you know, it's out there. Cool.
0: Well, is there any, any final parting advice you would give to, to people trying to get into all this, then? Or getting ahead? Hmm. Let's see.
1: Uh, I would not recommend this if you don't love it. Real, if okay. you do not love the field, don't do it. There's always this push to push people into STEM and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But everybody that I know that's either good at this or haven't gone to other things are the type of people that are like, I have always enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't do it, if you don't love it, don't do it. Don't even try to do it because. <laughs> It, there's a lot of hours, I mean, and you know, a lot of people see the Cisco guy on the documentation, they think, well, that's what I'll be doing. Like, no, yeah. I, might, I might have my feet in standing water tomorrow or yeah. a spider-infested closet. So there's some dirt involved. <laughs> there's some long nights. There's some late mornings and a lot wow. of hours. So yeah. if you're prepared to do that and you enjoy this, then you should do it. If not, steer clear. Steer clear.
0: Oh, okay. good advice, though. All okay, right, well, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so it was good talking to Deedan Langston, senior network engineer at Duke University, who says, if you don't love it, don't even try Don't do it. So I enjoyed doing this uh, this interview, and I hope it was useful for you guys.